Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Jamie Durant, sitting in for Ryan Cryle this week, and joining me to pour over all your North football goodness are our twin pillars of strength, Andy Skinner and Paul Third. How are we, guys? Good, thanks. Very well, thanks, Jamie. Yourself? No, not so bad on this fine Tuesday morning. Uh, I guess we can uh, we can start with uh, with your fine city, Andy. We'll start in the Highlands with the Cali Thistle and uh, and Ross County both drawing on home soil at the weekend, um, with Inverness held by Morton in the Scottish Cup and County equalising late against Dundee United in the Scottish Premiership. The Cali Jags are also in action on Tuesday evening against Wraith Rovers in the uh, SPFL Trust Trophy quarterfinals, and there's a big week ahead for Billy Dodds' side, um, including Tuesday night's game. They're, they're at home to Kilmarnock on Friday night in a kind of top-of-the-table clash in the Championship, and then next Tuesday, they are away to Greenock Morton in the Scottish Cup replay. So, Andy, how pivotal a, a seven days is this for... Uh, for Billy Dodds' side, yeah, they're they're fighting on three fronts this week, and you know I think it's safe to assume that there there will be changes to the side for for the Wraith Rovers game um, this evening. Um, you know, knowing that <clears throat> there's a couple of big games in in Scottish Cup and and the Championship coming up, um, you know, it's certainly an opportunity for Billy Dodds to to shuffle the squad and. And give some of the the fringe players an opportunity, as he's done in the previous rounds. I, I think Wraith, Rover, Wraith Rovers might do very much the same, just given how um, competitive the the championship is at this stage. Um, but you know, with like anything, um, you know, the further you get in the in the Challenge Cup, the 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 possibility of a you, you know a cup final, um, you know, gets ever closer, and you know there'll be. They will be hoping to to keep that uh, that flame burning as uh, as long as they can, but uh, no. The looking at league action on on Friday, uh, the Kilmarnock game offers them a, a massive opportunity to to reclaim that top spot, um, and then they they obviously look a, ahead to the the replay down at Capolo next week, which is the the first of a, a double header, and they know that they've got the you know the incentive of a uh, you know a Premiership opponent in the the next round away to Motherwell if they can get through that one so um, no plenty to uh, look forward to for, for Billy Dodds and his players I think that's Billy Mackay up to up to 10 goals for the season now I mean do they, kind of, they've relied on him for goals for, for many a year now but is it a case they kind of they probably could do with someone else kind of chipping in just to kind of uh, take the burden off him a little bit yeah I mean it's it's been great on one hand to see Billy Mackay back um, you know to his free scoring best that's uh, as you say up to 10 goals now which um, you know is quite impressive given that he, he missed a decent chunk of the, the start of the season through injury um, there was never any doubt that that Billy was going to you know be a, a talisman and you know he, he just has this knack of of going on runs that um, you know that can really uh, be be decisive in in games. I, I suppose the unfortunate thing, you know, per- particularly looking back on the last couple of home games, is that it hasn't resulted in victories. You know, he, he scored the opener against Dunfermline um, uh, in a game that they went on to lose, and obviously on Saturday against Morton, they uh, they had their their lead cut out by by a late uh, Morton equaliser, um, one that. Certainly, the Cali Thistle camp felt shouldn't have stood. Um, there was a, a call for a, a foul on Kirk Broadfoot by Gavin Riley, which fell on deaf ears. And 
Uh, ultimately, it was a disappointing goal to concede, given that you know it stemmed from a, a long kick up field by the the Morton goalkeeper. But um, I suppose the yeah there will be an emphasis on on trying to get more of the the attacking players on the score sheet. Um, Shane Sutherland's come back into the side in the last couple of games and performed well, but you know they'll they'll be looking towards him for for goals in the, the coming weeks. Um, you've obviously got Roddy McGregor, Tom Walsh kind of playing in advanced roles as well. So, um, you, you know, any uh, players that can help to ease the, the burden on, on Billy Mackay uh, will certainly be looked towards as, as being key for Inverness and, and, and particularly when the games are coming thick and fast um, because it's a, you know, a big ask for, for Billy to, uh, you know, carry that mantle by himself. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the, the likes of, you know, Lewis Jameson and maybe Anthony McDonald get their opportunity, particularly in, in this game against Wraith Rovers this evening. You mentioned Anthony McDonald there, and I think he was he was someone when he came in um, kind of last season. Also, he, he had the, the injury that kind of ruled him out, but I think he was somebody that the supporters were quite excited to see back, given that he'd had quite an enjoyable loan spell here under John Robertson and things maybe hadn't kind of worked out for him. Going out to Spain, I mean, he's only he's only kind of had a couple of substitute appearances so far. I mean, what what do you think is kind of behind that? Is I think it's maybe been a bit of a frustrating start for him. Yeah, definitely a frustrating um, you know season for him up to this point because yeah, I mean, he it couldn't really have been any more unfortunate for him when he you know first came back. He he was looking to find his feet again after you know a, a spell in Spain which didn't go to plan at all. Um, and, and he immediately picked up an injury in training uh, just a matter of days after after signing in January last year. So, uh, you know, that ruled him out for the rest of the, the season. And I suppose it's been maybe a case of him trying to, to find his feet under a, a new manager. Um, you know, Billy Dodds did um, strengthen those positions in the summer. And, you know, he struggled to, to find a way into the, the side. Uh, he's, he's a guy that was very much a John Robertson signing, you know, given that, uh, you know, Robbo worked at Hearts previously and was aware of his progress at Tynecastle. Um, it was him that brought him on loan initially a couple of years ago. And, you know, it was him that obviously had that uh, that link to, to bring him back. So, you know, perhaps without having that pre-established relationship, um, you know, with Billy Dodds, he's... He's had to, to work that bit harder to try and catch the eye, but uh, you, you may find that there there could be opportunities to you know hold down a, a, a position in that side in the, the coming weeks. Uh, you know, particularly as I say, with with a number of games in, in different competitions, and I, I suppose it's it's a challenge that he he'll have to to step up to in in order to to get his way back into that team. Yes, yeah, so apologies. Um... Yeah, what do you think's kind of been behind the the kind of patchy form that kind of Inverness have have shown of late? Um, I mean, they the start of the season really well, and was it a case that that was always maybe going to tail off at some point, or do you think there's kind of maybe something else that's that's contributed contributed to it? It's a difficult one because I think if you were to, you know, have offered any Inverness supporter uh, the position that they're in just now, you know, they're they're sitting, you know, third place. They're they're just. Um, a point behind uh, top spot as uh, as things stand, and uh, you know after a fifteen games, the chances are most Cali Jags fans would have taken that at uh, at this stage. But 
I think that maybe just reinforces how how crucial it is to to keep the uh, you know the form ticking over because you, you know you're looking at a bizarre championship table just now where you know there's only two points that separate first from fifth. Uh, it's it's fiercely competitive in in those kind of top positions. So there there isn't really a margin for for slip up there, and you know they they did get their league form back on track with with a good win down at Queen of the South in their their last outing um, in the league. That was uh, a week past Friday, and and so the the game against Kilmarnock uh, offers them a chance to build on that. But uh, yeah, it, it hadn't you know gone particularly well for them in the the weeks leading up to that. Uh, you know they were. Uh, Changes that were, you know, forced upon them in terms of personnel, but uh, I suppose it's probably the the lack of being able to kill off games and where in which they've been on top. I mentioned that Dunfermline game; uh, that was a game that they, they they really ought to have wrapped up, and you know they were they were killed off um, in in the end by a, a failure to do that. So it's hopefully just a a blip in their their season. They'll hope that. You know, having come through this this period, that they can really kick on as they look towards the, you know, the the new year. But, um, you know, when when the table is as bunched up as this at the, the top end of the, the league, then, uh, you know, any run of form is going to be, you know, absolutely crucial to to staying up there. Um, otherwise, they could, you know, find themselves in, involved in a, a sort of mid-table scrap, which, uh, you know, doesn't exist at this point. But you know, any any team that doesn't put form together. Um, you know, could find themselves, you know, a wee bit cut adrift from, in trying to close in on that top spot. Over the Keswick Bridge, uh, Ross County obviously salvaged a late point against uh, Dundee United thanks to Jack Baldwin's goal, and they head to Paisley on Wednesday night to face St Mirren and with St Johnston to come on Saturday as well. Is this is this kind of a big chance for them to try and get get clear of trouble at the bottom? Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the county's form has been pretty good, even though they've not had many games. They've um, you know, they've certainly kind of turned a bit of a corner um, with regards to getting a couple of victories on on the board. They've started to to look like you know some of their playing and matches kind of mount to points, which um, is something that eluded them certainly in a a particular stretch of the season uh, where I think they played four games in succession, lost them all, but you know were pretty adamant after the game in, in each one of them that they they should have taken one if not three points from them so I suppose to have that tangible kind of reward for for uh, good performances has, has been pleasing for them Saturday's game against Dundee United looked like it was kind of falling into a similar bracket to, to some of those earlier in the season where they found themselves trailing and the pressure was, was really mounting towards the, the Dundee United goal but Again, just to get something from that, and you know, late circumstances, uh, you know, gives them something to to really build on going into this trip to Paisley, and you know, they they come up against us and side that are a bit out of sorts. They've not won in six, and although they they sit seventh in the the table just now, um, you know, there's only six points separating them from County. So, I think you know, County will be maybe playing the long game looking into this one whereby although it's Dundee and Livingston that are immediately above them something Malky Mackay has emphasised in the last couple of weeks is that you know the the real goal within this 
period of, of eight games before the winter break is to try and get back into that pack um, rather than be chasing it so that they're they're able to to, to try and you know go into the new year and and really move up the table um, but you know for for now it's just about you know becoming in, involved in what what is threatening to be a, a you know a decent scrap at the in the bottom half of the table and obviously a, a couple of um, but you know bigger clubs that are involved in that as well uh, that are struggling for form uh, looking at Aberdeen in particular uh, I suppose they're they're just going to look to try and put some pressure on on some of the other teams that that are by no means um, you know out of out of trouble at the minute and uh, with the way that County have been going. It was obviously quite a, a new look team that they they assembled at the start of the season, but the way things are looking, it, it seems as if you know they're just growing in, in in terms of their their understanding and uh, their their momentum, which uh, suggests that you know the best is still to to come from them. And um, you know they're certainly going into this double header against the the two Saints with with nothing to to fear at all. Joseph Hongbo seems to have kind of made a real impact since his loan move from from Watford, and obviously he was involved in the goal on on Saturday as well. I mean, how would you sum up his performances so far? He's is a player that's really really caught the eye um, in the the games so far. Um, <clears throat> he, he didn't get too much action at the start of the season when he first joined, but the the first game I I saw him in was down at Motherwell in a, a game that they they lost 2-1 uh, to a, a late goal. Um, it came on at half-time in that match and made a, an immediate impact, just really dynamic. And I'm just a player that makes things look like they're going to happen uh, whenever he gets on the ball. Um, he had quite a, a frustrating run of games where he, he seemed to hit the woodwork uh, just about every time. Um, finally got his goal in spectacular style down at Dundee. We, we all remember that free kick, uh, which you know certainly caught uh, caught a lot of attention further afield, um, and and won him the the goal of the month award for October. Um, what's really been apparent in the last couple of games is just the quality of his dead ball deliveries as well, and that's that's what amounted to the the equaliser against Dundee United on on Saturday. So. Um, a player that that Malky Mackay has been <clears throat> really encouraged with the progress of, considering his lack of game time prior to this loan spell, and uh, got to remember as well that he, he came off the bench on on Saturday. Um, Malky went with Blair Spittle and Regan Charles Cook from the start in the in the wide positions. So you, you know he certainly got options there that are um, you know contributing the goods. Um, I wasn't at the the game myself, but. You know, I heard Charles Cook played well again, and from looking at the highlights, Blair Spittle was, um, you know, right involved in the the action uh, with a number of you know good opportunities. Um, you know, he came up with the the winning goal himself in the previous game. Uh, how much he knew about it against Tibbs, or how much he intended it to to fall in the back of the net, I uh, I'm not too sure. But uh, no, they they've more or less got a, a fully fit squad now. The one player that they'll be without, which could be a bit of a a loss for them on on Wednesday, is Harry Clark, who um, was dismissed um, somewhat harshly against uh, against Dundee United. Um, Malky was certainly none too happy with with that decision, um, and he's been, although playing the right back role, he's he's been a real um, kind of live wire in an attacking sense for for County as well. 
um, linking up particularly well with Hungbo on that right hand side. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what County do there because there's the option of bringing Keith Watson, you, you know, back in in a, a like for like swap. But there's also the possibility that Connor Randall, who's been playing left back, can can go across to his natural position, and that could open the door for Jake Vokins, who's been kind of waiting on his opportunity since returning to, to fitness, um, having you know been brought in to fill the, the left-back slot. So, um, you know, this um, the squad that County have assembled is certainly going to be needed, uh, you know, as they come into this, uh, you know, busy spell of, of fixtures. Well, let's see how they kind of fare on the, uh, in the crucial coming games. That concludes part one of this week's episode of Northern Goal. In part two, we'll discuss the fortunes of Aberdeen. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Welcome to part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. We move along the year 96 now to the Granite City and to Aberdeen, who were beaten 2-1 on Sunday by Celtic. Um, kind of an unfortunate uh, kind of winner to concede from from Callum McGregor. But uh, overall, Paul, can they be kind of pleased by by how they performed at Parkhead? Uh, with Aberdeen, it's, it always feels like a mixed bag these days. Um, considering the number of guys missing, I'll say yes, they can be encouraged by the performance. The positive overall is that the Dons were still in the game, right to the final whistle at Celtic Park. But we can't shy away from the obvious fact of it's another defeat, a third on the bounce. Uh, for the, as for the game, I mean, they struggled in the opening 20 minutes and you did fear the worst watching it, but they finished the first half reasonably well, I thought, and they deserved their equaliser through Lewis Ferguson's penalty. Um, second half, however, didn't bring an awful lot in the way of an attacking threat from Stephen Glass's side. There was a late header from Ferguson again, but that was it, really. Uh, as for the Celtic goal, well... Yes, it's a, it's a fluke, but they were on top and the goal happens because Aberdeen are feeling the strain when you watch it back. A little bit more composure in that situation would have produced a, a different outcome, I'm sure. One thing I was going to kind of touch on was just the, the right-back situation, which I think are probably a few of the fans have probably noticed as well. Obviously, Calvin Ramsey's still out injured and as was kind of publicised last week, Ronald Hernandez appears kind of set to stay in Atlanta after his after his kind of loan spell, or at least he's not coming back to, doesn't look like he's going to be coming back to Pitodri, but does this mean it's there's a kind of a reprieve for, for Jack Gurr? Obviously, he started the last two games after kind of being uh, kind of absent from the first team for a while. Where do you start with this one? Um, right, Calvin Ramsey's return date is not forthcoming. Um, it, it seems there's going to be no return at all for Ronald Hernandez. He looks destined to go down as one of the most incredible footnotes in, in the club's history, I think. An expensive, much-touted arrival who's effectively been here for a cup of coffee in terms of actual playing time. And that leaves Jack Gurr by process of elimination, really. Um, a player who was brought to the club from Atlanta as a backup player. I don't say that to demean him at all, but I'm just looking at the fact he was in Atlanta United's second string 
squad, really. Uh, and you saw me signed on a, a 12-month deal. His chances have been fleeting. I think it's fair to say he had a, a torrid time, especially in the second half against Wraith Rovers in the Premier Sports Cup exit, after which he basically disappeared from the first team starting lineup altogether until recently, getting back in due to Ramsey's injury. I still expect Ramsey will be restored at right back as soon as he's fit again, but Gar should be looking to make the most of his chance to get some game time right now. He's nearing the final six months of his contract, after all, and if his future doesn't lie at Petaudry, then hopefully he's going to try and catch the eye of some potential suitors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... I think there's kind of maybe a few eyebrows raised when he did when he did sign, and like you say, he was probably looked at as more of a of a squad option. But say the opportunity is there for him now, given kind of the maybe the kind of the misfortune that's kind of befallen Calvin Ramsey, and obviously I think maybe Funzo Ojo played there for a little bit as well, and obviously he's been suspended. So there's there's a kind of a platform there to go and kind of show that he's he's maybe deserving of a place. Yeah, right. It's it's funny going forward. He's quick. I think he, he he likes to get right up to the edge of the eighteen yard box and, and balls in the box. But it's the defensive side of the game, which is ultimately why he's in the team. And he, he does look a, a little bit rash at times. He's 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 a bit handsy, if I can say. He likes to if a player goes past him, he, he likes to put a, a hand out and that's asking for trouble. Um, it gave away a penalty at Wraith, and I think there was one incident in actual the, the the opening goal at Celtic Park on Sunday. I think he's he's got his hand out, but McGregor powers on and then cuts it back for for Jota to score. It's just, that that's the little bits that make me a bit nervous when I'm watching him. But he, he can only learn by getting actual competitive minutes under his belt. I was going to kind of move on to another kind of player who's kind of become a little bit of a fringe figure at the minute in in J. Emmanuel Thomas. I mean the. With the Dons losing three games and kind of struggling for goals, um, you'd th- you'd think they'd try and well try different options, try different things. But Jet seems to have been kind of left on the bench for say the last kind of six games. So where do you think it's kind of gone gone wrong for him at Aberdeen? Oof, I wish I knew the answer to this one. I, I like Jet. I think he's a technically technically a very good player, but it's one goal this season for him. So I'm not hanging out hope of him being the answer in front of goal for Aberdeen. He's a big, powerful player, but not someone who's ever really shown the desire to be a, a target man type for a, for the club. He likes to drift out wide, predominantly onto the right. And I think with a more mobile duo of Marley Watkins and Ryan Hedges, they are the clear preference in terms of a support act for Christian Ramirez. Because after all, the American is the main man in the forward line. And with only really one recognised striker, that leaves Jet on the bench. I mean, they're at home against uh, St Mirren on, on Saturday and obviously after Livingston on, on Wednesday night. Are these game, two games where they need to be taking kind of six points from? Yes, but it's hard to talk about Aberdeen without sounding fearful at the minute. Let's be honest here, four wins from 15 games so far in the league, that's abysmal for, for, for Aberdeen. We can point to injuries as a factor for some of those results, but not all of them. And if you told me in the first week of the season we'd be moving into December with Aberdeen toiling in the bottom half of the table, I would have likely laughed in your face. But here we are. Um, they do need to be taking maximum points from their two home fixtures this week. But as we've seen this season, that's easier said than done for the Dons. They haven't won back-to-back games in the league since the first two matches of the season. And the injuries are still piling up with Scott Brown and Dylan McGee. Are they good enough to win those games this week? Yes, of course they are. But would it surprise any of us if they didn't? 
absolutely not. So that's that's the kind of the the worrying thing, I suppose. Because in in years past, one thing you could always maybe count on in Aberdeen teams is generally they were they were consistent in these sorts of games. They would kind of win the games that they were expected to, um, and then maybe it was the challenges that came with facing kind of the the old firm sides. But it was kind of these games that you would you would generally expect Aberdeen to kind of up the game and and do enough to win. Yeah, you're spot on, Jamie. I think I think if we go back and it's always unfair. I, f- I feel a bit unfair on Stephen Glass when I draw comparisons with the, the previous manager, but Derek McInnes was really good at grinding out results, or his team was really good at grinding out results against the rest, and that was what made Aberdeen the best of the rest, I guess, or pretty close to it every season. Um, Stephen Glass has kind of toiled. It's been almost like a, a, a flip side of that. Aberdeen have been decent against the teams in the top four or five spots in the league, but it's, it's the bottom half clubs where they've, they've really struggled. Yes, they beat Livingston, but that was only due to a last-minute howler from the goalkeeper. Uh, St Mirren beat them 3-2 down at uh, Paisley earlier in the season. So that, that makes those two games upcoming this week really tough. Um, I, I, I look at Aberdeen in December as traditionally being where they kind of click into gear for Stephen Glass's sake and, and the team as a whole. I, I'm hoping that history repeats itself this month. With the January kind of transfer window round the corner, where would you say the kind of the biggest areas that that the Dons need to address? Is there any particular areas you feel that are, that are maybe short just now or need kind of an injection of quality? Which one do you want? Um, I'd like another centre-half, I have to be honest, uh, unless Andy Constein's going to be back soon. Um, it all remains a bit vague on a timescale there for him. I'd also trim the number of central midfielders which are in the squad. If I'm getting a choice, uh, I, I expect Ryan Hedges' future will be resolved one way or another by the end of January. If he does move on, clearly a replacement will be needed for him. But I think another creative option is badly needed regardless. Uh, Jimmy McGrath was linked with the club in the summer. That's the type they're needing in the team. In terms of exit door, there's Hernandez, of course. There's talk of Matty Longstaff being recalled by Newcastle. I would suggest that one suits all parties, as clearly the move to Scotland hasn't really worked out for the player. You've got Matty Kennedy, who was close to a move to St Mirren in August. That might be rekindled. Maybe Niall McGinn might fancy a new environment, as his game time's also been really limited this season. But whatever happens, I know January is not the easiest month to do business for clubs, but I can see some movement in and out of Pataudry, that's for sure. Absolutely. It's certainly going to be an interesting uh, few weeks ahead. That concludes part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. In part three, we'll move on to our other SPFL clubs. Welcome to part three of this week's episode of Northern Goal. We'll now take a look at our three clubs in the SPFL. Um, Just with a quick run through, Cove Rangers held Queen of the South at the Balmoral Stadium at the weekend in the Scottish Cup with a 2-2 draw and... They're also in action on Tuesday night in the SPFL Trust Trophy quarterfinals against Rangers B. And then they're at home to Dumbarton on Saturday. Uh, Peterhead were comfortable 3-0 winners at Civil Service Strollers. And they're at Clyde on Saturday. Um, there was no game for Elgin City. There's no game for Elgin City this coming weekend. But they drew, drew they drew one all with Edinburgh City at Borough Briggs on Friday. Which means they're now kind of seven points clear. A bottom place, Cowden Beath. And... What what kind of stands out uh, from those kind of three results uh, to you guys? The Cove result stands out for me, I think. I, I, that's a decent result for, for Paul Hartley's side. I know Queen of the South are 
toiling a wee bit in the in the championship. But Cove will be encouraged by a late equaliser and fancying their chances. And certainly now with a, a potential trip to, to Easter Road awaiting the winners of that tie, it's it's a huge carrot for them going down to that second leg at Palmerston next week. I think you can't really look past Cove, really, from from those three teams that you mentioned, Jamie. Um, you know, we spoke earlier in the podcast about Inverness fighting on on three fronts, but you know, for for Cove Rangers, you know, to be sitting top of League One just now, um, you know, still active in two cup competitions is is really a good place to be. Um, you know, we've seen Rangers be in the the SPFL Trust Trophy in in years gone by, prove a, a bit of a a threat, you know. That I remember a, a game up at Inverness, which they were really unfortunate to to lose out in a couple of years ago. Um, but I suppose maybe the it's a competition that, although for a championship team, is sometimes much maligned. For for Cove to get to the latter stages of that becomes quite exciting, I would suggest. And uh, you know the the prospect of you know potentially you know trying to set up a, a final. Um, is, is something that would be a real boost for a club that's clearly on on the way up, and uh, yeah, just to top that all off, as as Paul mentions, there's the uh, the replay against Queen of the South with with the carrot of a, a Premiership opponent and and Hibs to to look forward to. So um, certainly all all going well at uh, at the Balmoral just now. Yeah, I was at the game on on Saturday against Queen of the South, and it was you would have been hard pressed to tell which was the full time team and which was the part time team because I think Cove controlled large parts of that game and created the the bulk of the chances and I know kind of Queens are maybe struggling a little bit for form just now and they've maybe not got the most experienced side but they, they were definitely kind of fortunate with the with kind of the goals I mean the first one was kind of clearly not across the line but was given and then the second one was from a corner that was kind of retaken but Cove they kind of showed the Kind of character and resilience, I suppose, to to not let those setbacks affect them and and respond to kind of in kind of the best possible fashion. And there does seem to be kind of a real kind of confidence kind of running through the team just now. I mean, spoke to Ian Vigas after the game, and obviously he got his first goal for the club on Saturday, and he was kind of speaking kind of quite quite confidently and bullishly about the the Challenge Cup. Um, obviously, that might all change uh, by the time this kind of comes out, but uh, it's. It's a really good time, I think, for for Cove. Um, they do have a small squad, which would be a concern, I think, with the kind of the games kind of coming quite quickly. Um, Paul Hartley, I think, spoken before about needing to make changes through um, through the kind of the coming weeks just to kind of keep everyone fresh um, and to kind of balance the priorities. Um, the they do have the carrot of the Hibs tie in the Scottish Cup if they get through against Queen of the South, and then. They would also be at home in the in the Challenge Cup semi-finals if they got through against Queen of the South again or or Morton. So there's there's a great incentive there for them. They they've got a great deal of experience in the squad this year, which which seems to have helped. They've got um, Rory McAllister, who's in phenomenal form. I think that's 13 goals for the season just now, and it's kind of it's taken the burden a little bit off Mitch Meganson, but um, it's kind of like, I think it's great for. For Cove to know that they've got those options there, if the if if ever they're struggling, and I think if you look kind of uh, if you look kind of elsewhere at the at the other results at the weekend, I mean Peterhead, it was potential potentially kind of a banana skin for them down there as to a Lowland League side, but 
to kind of come away with a with a three nil result. I imagine that's that's probably exactly what they were hoping for. I think so. Whisper it. I think the blue tuna slowly cranking into gear here. And they'll fancy their chances of going through again with home advantage against the East Kilbride in the, the next round. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of cause for optimism for Jim McAnally's side at the minute. I, I wish I could say the same for Elgin. Yeah, much like the Dons, I feel like they're a team that's kind of waiting for their, their season to get going properly. Yeah, they're toiling in the bottom half of the table, which they didn't expect to be. And they're... They, they just they need something a spark, a big result. I, I, I don't know what it is, but El- Elkin should be much higher up the table than they are. Uh, there's there's no doubt the the squad that they've got, um, you, you know, really ought to be performing a lot uh, a lot better in League Two. Um, you know, the the obvious thing to look towards is the the, the recent absence of Kane Hester, and perhaps there's a you know a wee bit of a cruel irony in the fact that just as they're you know welcoming him back into the fold um, and, and needing to to get games into his legs, uh, you know, they, they seem to be uh, going quite a long spell without one. Um, I mean, in the, in the last game that they, they played uh, against Edinburgh City last Tuesday, they came back from a goal behind and Jamie Wilson got the, the goal to get off the mark for, for Elgin, which, uh, you know, is something that they've been kind of craving from some of the other strikers in Hester's absence, and um, just the you know the lack of firepower that they've they've had has been a real problem for them, which is unusual because they you know they are regarded as being one of the more fluent sides in that division, but certainly a crucial spell for them when they come back because although they're for for the meantime they seem to have at least um, kind of drifted a, a bit away from from the threat of being drawn in by Cowden Beath. That can change really quickly though if they if they don't get back to, to winning ways. Um and I, I suppose their ultimate target will be to to really make progress and make gains on the, the sides that are above them to to reignite some hope that they can maybe push towards those those playoff spots. But um that certainly seems a long way off at this point. What's the kind of the mood been like around around kind of Elgin between let's say the players and, and Gavin Price? What have they been kind of able to to remain positive despite the kind of the run of form that they're on, the Clyde Bank result um, was a, a real blow for them, um, and I, I think you know going into the the following game, they, I think they played Forfar in in their their next league game, and you know it was obviously a a real call to arms from from Gavin Price at that point, knowing that you know they they'd hit a, a real low point, and it was all about the reaction from from that stage onwards. He was encouraged, I think, in in, in the next couple of games, uh, and you know they they then came to play Cowden Beath in a, a fixture that that really mattered, um, you know, massively. And on that occasion, because I think Cowden Beath would have drawn level with them if they'd they'd won at Borough Briggs. So for Elgin to to get the one 0 victory in that match it seemed like it, you know, could have been a, a turning point for them, but. Um, of course, they've they've only picked a, a point up from the, the two games that followed that. So, it's it, as Paul says, it's just a season that's never quite got going, and I think there's just that frustration that, um, you know, it's it's, it's not um, it's a team that's not playing to the, the sum of its parts just now, and um, you know they they just need to to try and, and fix that as uh, as quickly as as they can, but. As I say, with with Hester coming back, there is that 
that confidence that uh, you know they can start to edge some of the tighter games that they've been involved in, which I think by and large most of them have been. But um, normally, you know, Elgin were quite good at uh, at turning them in their favour um, and going on on decent runs that you know had them up towards the, the top end of the, the table. Elgin do sound an awful lot like another team in our batch, don't they? <laughs> Aye, it's uh, it's almost as if we 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 start with uh, with the Dons and. Uh, and then end kind of on the, the same note with, uh, with with a neighbour just along the A96. But uh, yeah, it's uh, just a, a similar tale of woe uh, in, uh, in Elgin just now. As we've already mentioned, uh, the kind of ties for the fourth round of the Scottish Cup were made on Monday night. And I think it's fair to say the pick of the ties for the North Clubs. Obviously, we mentioned um, Cove Rangers, the prize of going to Easter Road to face Hibs if they get through their replay against Queen of the South. But we also have to mention uh, junior heavyweights, Banks Adi, who took care of East Fife at home at the weekend. Uh, they will also be back at Spain Park in the fourth round next, in, sorry, in January, when they'll be home to championship side Wraith Rovers, which would be kind of a great uh, a great tie for, for Jamie Watt's side. Um, elsewhere, Inverness or Morton will be away to Motherwell. Uh, Ross County have been drawn against fellow premiership side Livingston. Aberdeen will be at home to League Two side Edinburgh City and Peterhead will again face Lowland League opposition when East Kilbride come to Balmour. And all those ties will be played on the weekend of January 22nd. And away from the SPFL, uh, Fort William appoints, appoint, uh, Fort William announced the appointment of a new manager on Tuesday morning. Uh, it was a, quite an interesting one for us. Uh, Shadab Iftikar, who has worked as a scout for Roberto Martinez with Wigan, Everton and Belgium as well as having coaching experience in the non-leagues in England and out in Mongolia. He'll start as Fort Williams boss on December 27th. Uh, Coach Tommy Lee Taylor will continue as the caretaker manager until then, before reverting to being Iftikhar's assistant manager. Um, For more on the Highland League, check out our subscribers-only football show, Highland League Weekly, which is released every Monday on the Highland League, sorry, on the Press and Journal website. And that's it for today's episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to Paul Third and Andy Skinner for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you, Jamie. As ever, if you've got any feedback, email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Take care and enjoy the football wherever you are this week. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.